This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon and welcome to the program. Richard Duggan filling in for Linda Swain, who is taking some much-deserved time off this week. And on today's edition of the program, we're going to go to the town of Botwood because there's some very exciting things happening in that community this week. Yesterday, the town unveiled two new murals, both marking the 85th anniversary of Botwood's flying boat era and the 80th anniversary of the crash of American Export Airlines' flying boat Excalibur. So throughout today's program, We'll be uh, talking with some of the artists and others involved in making this happen. First, to learn a bit about the history behind these murals, I have on the line Lisa Hemian, who works with the town of Botwood. Lisa, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, thank you so much for joining the program and some very exciting things happening in Botwood this week. Oh, my goodness. We're just thrilled here today um, to be unveiling, of course, two beautiful murals, one of the flying boat error and, of course, uh, one that tells the story of Adele Jenkins. Exactly, and we're going to get into some of that uh, history there now. So just for those who may not be familiar with uh, Botwood and its connection to the aviation industry, let's uh, just give me a little bit of the background on the connection between Botwood, the aviation industry, and what have been termed the flying boats. Well, the flying boats uh, came to Botwood. They were here really from 1936 to 1945. And the flying boats were the big luxurious boats that flew from New York to Foynes, Ireland. Uh, And when I say luxury, I mean you only had 36 so passengers on the plane where you would have a reading library, dining room, uh, places to sleep. There were bunks, and actually there was even uh, bridal suites on some of those uh, flying boats. There is a distinction between a flying boat and a seaplane. A seaplane can land on the water and wheel itself into a slipway and come out onto tarmac. But a flying boat, the hull of it is made like a ship, and it has to land on water. It cannot land on the land. Uh, So we were chosen, Bobwood was, at the beginning of all this, by Pan American Airlines. Charles Lindbergh flew in here and scouted us out and found that we were a perfect place to do refueling, the last refueling stop, before these flying boats crossed over from North America into Foynes. And, of course, we were chosen because we have a very large harbor, very deep. It's busy with shipping at the time, but it was still lots of room. And also, we're relatively fog-free here and ice-free for a good part of the year. So it was the perfect place. And so Pan American came in. They set up their terminal and their crash boat housing and uh, started with the flying boats coming in. And that introduced the small little town of Botwood to a lot of very famous people and things that we had never seen before. Um, Then when World War II came in 1939, uh, the RCAF took over the terminal and actually ended up building a huge uh, uh, Air Force base here. Uh, And so then we had our PBY cancels coming in because we were now being used for recognizant flights over the North Atlantic, uh, trying to spot submarines and escorting the shipping uh, traffic in and out of our harbor out to the North Atlantic and as uh, uh, far as we could. 
And then the other part of uh, especially what is being remembered in Botwood through these murals is the crash of Excalibur, of course, a tragedy that happened. Uh, Just walk me through uh, what happened and the story of the crash of Excalibur. Well, the Excalibur was one of three flying aces that had been uh, ordered by American Export Airlines uh, through Sikorsky. And... uh, so it was a big luxurious. Of course, it had been when the RCF come in, they used to take over these luxury boats uh, because they're part of the war effort now. Uh, the Excalibur crashed in our harbor in October of 42 uh, as a result of a flap on the wing being turned to land as opposed to takeoff. So it crashed upon takeoff. So it went across the water, went to go up in the air, went about 500 feet up in the air, and the, the engine stalled. It crashed back into the water. And uh, 11 people lost their lives in that crash, three of whom uh, the bodies were never recovered. Uh, But I started looking at this crash because, of course, uh, on top of working for the town, I'm very much a member of the Botwood Heritage Society. And uh, I started thinking, well, what happened to these people after the crash and their families? And it just so happened I had been contacted by the grandchildren of one of the men who had died on that crash, and his body had never been recovered. And the story was that his dad was, his mother, uh, this man's woman, wife was pregnant with the son when she found that her husband had died in that crash. And so the boy grew up never really knowing about his dad very much, except for that the red hair he had on his head was from his father. Uh, So they were interested, and I thought, well, I should start learning a little bit more about this crash, just so that when people are asking, I know the answers, or at least close to it. So I spent a lot of time at our archives um, uh, going through the accident report, which is about 500 pages long. And I thought, well, let me take a look at the A&D company's company logs for during that time to see if there's any mention of this plane crash as well. And the first thing that crossed my my eyes was on the very day that that crash happened, one of the guys with the A&D shipping company put a little note up in the corner of the logbook saying, a little tiny or a petite uh, redhead woman saved a bunch of guys out of the plane that crashed tonight. And I went, what? Women? I, what? I, I've not heard nothing about this. So I reread the accident report, and sure enough, there were two women on that flight that night. One was the chief air hostess, and her name was Adele Jenkins. And so she was basically the air hostess is the same as what we call a stewardess today, or a steward. And she, as I start digging into her life, wow, what a treasure box I come across. She was an amazing woman. Uh just she first of all she started flying and her first boss was Howard Hughes with TWA and then she went on to become a model with them she was training the uh, air hostesses she would do media relations she had traveled the world millions of miles with TWA and another airline she had worked with out in the states and I thought wow that's interesting and then I thought, well, okay, let me find out what happened for her to be saving people out of this plane. So it took me three years to research all this, but I started finding articles coming out of New York talking about how she had gotten into the plane and out of the plane. When the plane crashed, she had ordered anybody who could get out. And then she dove back into that plane five times as it was sinking, and she saved five men. And I thought, 
what? And then I started researching, you know, I knew that she was only five foot four and 115 pounds. And I went, yeah, something wrong. The water is cold and she's so tiny. How could she do that? And so I started searching again and I found an article about her when she was 14 years old. And in the article, it said that she had just swam the widest uh, width of the Hudson River and made a world record at age 14. So that confirmed her swimming ability. Uh, then as I started going through newspaper articles and that, indeed, she had saved five men out of that air wreckage. And after she, then when she came up for this, she went down a sixth time to, care, uh, to try to save a co-worker who was stuck in his seat and tried to get, grab his hand, and as she was trying to pull him out, it became obvious that he had died because his hand let go. She came up for the sixth time to get some air so she could go back and try to still get him out, and she passed out. And she was then taken and pulled out of the water by two men, who were two of the officers who were with the rescue boat. And one of them was Flight Officer Mann, uh, and then the other guy on that rescue boat was the chaplain of the base, Reverend Tompkins. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. And then I can see that she spent the next three days in Botwood uh, identifying bodies, uh, tending to the sick at the military hospital because she was a nurse. That was a requirement to be able to fly. You had to be a nurse. And then on the third day, she flew back to New York. And within one week, she was flying that route again. So it didn't bring her down. So then I thought, well, I wonder what happened to her after that. And I could see that the U.S. had made a big fuss about her and that she had been award, gotten awards uh, from the War Department for her heroism and from her company and all that. And then I see this article that says that she had she was announced her retirement from the airlines. And I went, wow, I wonder why, because back then, if a woman was pregnant or was getting married, that's, you, you couldn't work with the airlines. You, you had to leave. And sure enough, she was announcing that she was getting married. And I thought, well, great. And then she announced she was getting married in Botwood and that she was actually marrying the flight officer who pulled her out of the water and that actually they were being married by Reverend Tompkins, the other guy who pulled her out of the water and was her hero. So I thought, this is just such a beautiful story. That is absolutely incredible. I mean, like, I'm I'm sad here listening to you describe this story and tell this story, and, like, I'm in amazement. I can only imagine what it was like for you to be discovering all of this. Well, I was thinking, this is like a Hollywood movie. Like, and let me tell you, Richard, like, since then... Uh, I'm only telling you probably 5% of what I've discovered, because if you had a three-hour show, I could go on. Uh, but it is amazing. This this lady was so well-deserved of getting what she's getting, and now she's going to be on the side of one museum, and well, actually she's on two of the murals, and it tells her story so well. And the thing about Adele was, and I have discovered, she was an orphan. She had, she had been adopted by a, t a teacher when she was about seven years old. They got her through school, and then she, she went right into flying uh, after nursing. Um, I discovered that she, when she married him, they were later in life. She was 32. He was 42. So they had no children, which made it very difficult for me to find out anything about Adele's personality. And I don't know how I managed to do it, but I did manage to find one 
the very last living relative of Adele's and her husband's, and it's on the husband's side, and it was her niece, who was 96 years old, retired uh, in Florida, and also came across a woman who had lived next door to Adele for a few years in Florida. So they filled in who Adele was in a, in a, in a, a person, as a person, because I'm very much the person who wants to tell the story about the people. We can talk about the, te- you know, the technical stuff about the plane crash and blah, 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 but I wanted to know about the people. Who are these people? What were they about? And the things I was told was amazing. Like, uh, her neighbor told me that about every two years, a newspaper would show up trying to interview her about the plane and that crash and that, and she would refuse interviews because she uh, actually suffered from survivor's guilt. She felt that she didn't do enough and that failing her co-worker and not getting him out of the plane, sometimes would she would suffer from survivor's guilt and, and things. Um, found out that... Uh, Howard Hughes had introduced her to Diamonds because back then Howard Hughes would have his big parties with his business associates. He would have his airline hostesses come to the parties. He would provide them with furs, gowns, and jewelry so that they could stand there and talk to the guys intelligently. And you know, weren't allowed to date them or anything, but just to be a show because that's what Howard Hughes was about. And she said it was then that she learned that Diamonds were a woman's best friend. Uh, because she had to give them back every night after the show. <laughs> uh, she didn't like um, Bill Clinton. She hated him. And her favorite saying was, that was then, this is now. So those little tidbits of things really talk about a person. And her neighbor told me that she was a real firecracker even at 95 years old. Uh, but no, no bigger than than uh, uh, you know five foot four and probably about five foot three when she passed. Uh, her niece told me that she was a complete opposite because the man she married had just recently divorced before uh, Adela married him. He had divorced. Uh, he was from the states. He had divorced and came to Canada to fight on the Canadian front. And uh, he, she said she was very humble. She was very wanting to serve. She wanted to look after him. She adored him. Uh, and her two main things in life was to teach. She didn't want him smoking no more, and she didn't want him drinking no more. Two things he really loved to do. Uh, and actually, in their wedding picture, they're cutting the cake, and he's got a cigarette in one hand, right? Uh, so, which was back then glamorous. Uh, so, uh, I guess that before he died, she did manage to get him to quit smoking, but the drinking never stuff (laughs) and so she said that uh he was a real ladies man but she grounded him Hmm. and so it's such a beautiful beautiful story and to think that she had no family left behind to really tell this story and it's so amazing i really felt it was important that we know about adele because the impact this little harbor had on her life she felt for the rest of her life Lisa Hemian of the town of Botwood, thank you so much for taking the time to share this story with us today. Really fascinating. Thank you very much. Again, that was Lisa Hemian of the town of Botwood. We're going to take a break here on On Target, and when we come back, we're going to speak uh, with some of the artists that helped create these murals. Don't go away. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM.
And welcome back to On Target. Richard Duggan filling in for Linda Swain today. And on today's edition of the program, we head out to the town of Botwood because they have some pretty cool things that they just unveiled yesterday. Two beautiful new murals celebrating uh, not only the start of their Botwood flying boat era that started about 85 years ago, but also the 80-year anniversary of the crash of Excalibur. And uh, just before the break, we heard a little bit about the history of uh, the aviation industry in Botwood and also about the crash of Excalibur. Uh, And now on today's program, we are going to welcome Trudy Stuckless to the program, and she's going to explain a little bit about um, how these murals came to be in Botwood. Trudy, welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, Trudy, certainly an exciting day for yourself uh, yesterday and everyone in Botwood as these murals were unveiled. Uh, How are you feeling seeing these finally uh, completed? Pretty excited to have them completed. Um, We've been waiting for a number of years to uh, have murals on our air base. Uh, So they'll be the start of our tours now uh, when, uh, you know, because we have the number one and number two, I guess, will be starting from the base. And we're waiting for the just the right time and the right artist to uh, and the right anniversary, I guess, to uh, celebrate and commemorate. So explain a little bit about your role through all of this and how these murals really came to be this year. Well, um, as the president and with our team, I guess we were looking at uh, that this is going to become home year and uh, looking around to see, you know, what sort of anniversaries we could celebrate. As you know from Lisa's chat with you, we have a rich history here. And uh, so when we looked at it, it was 85 years since the uh, flying boats first came into Botwood and 80 years since the crash of the Excalibur. And I'm sure that Lisa has explained well to you about the story of Adele Jenkins. So we wanted to um, uh, do two murals down there. And uh, because we hosted the uh, World Conference, uh, the mural, uh, the uh, World C- Conference for the Mur- Murals, Global Mural Association. Sorry, uh, back in 2018, we've got to meet Stefan Junman, who's uh, from Germany and does a special technique called uh, Trump oil or Trick of the Eye. And uh, when you talk to Stefan a bit later, you'll uh, hear a bit more about that. But we knew he would be the guy to do the mural on the flying boat, or sorry, on the Heritage Center that would uh, commemorate the crash of the Excalibur and tell the incredible story of Adele Jenkins and uh, sort of memorialize her, I guess. And Charlie Johnson is an artist that we've known for quite a few years. Uh, this will be his sixth, this is his sixth mural in Botwood. And uh, Charlie can paint on the most unusual surfaces. And uh, <laughs> he can make paint stick to anything, apparently. So uh, we gave him the very challenging wall on the uh, Flying Boat Museum, which is a deeply corrugated wall. And um, so he's worked his magic on that to uh, have a scalper on that wall. And and it's uh, celebrating the uh, luxurious era of these giant flying boats. I talked to Lisa in the last segment about the importance of this history to Botwood, but just from your perspective, how important is it to recognize this history and have it, like you said, immortalized here with these murals? Yes, so that's what we do is uh, depict our history on our walls. So, and we see it as very important in like uh, remembering our past and sort of cherishing our heritage, but also using that to create our future. As you know, Botwood is one of those towns where the industry has gone down over the years, and. Um, 
we uh, you're probably aware that we had the still standing show filmed here in 2019 and um, the, what the work we're doing is helping us to be still standing here in Botwood. I think over the course of even the last 20 minutes or so here on this program, I've learned a lot uh, that I didn't know about the history of Botwood and that and that area. Do, do you hope that this will not only uh, serve as a great sort of uh, monument for the people of Botwood to come out and recognize their history, but also for others uh, to come in from the outside and get to really learn about so, some of the extraordinary history that has come out of this small town? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we see it as our future, and uh, we're certainly seeing that, particularly with this come home year. This is the most tourists I've ever seen in town. We have two museums here, as you know, and uh, so we uh, work sort of, uh, we're sort of joined at the hip with the Heritage Society in terms of uh, when we're ready to tell another story, they help provide us with uh, archival material and that sort of thing. And uh, since we had the World Conference, it's really, I think, put us on the world stage. So we are seeing international um, visitors and national visitors and, of course, local people, you know. And uh, I think everybody's really amazed that there is so much history here. We have storyboards developed for each mural, and they're in English and French. And this year we are seeing a lot of tourists from Quebec and New Brunswick, and uh, uh, they're very appreciative of the fact that we've, uh, you know, we've uh, recognized uh, the second language in our, uh, in our country. And now, too, I mean, these murals were only unveiled yesterday, but when you get to talk to some of the tourists about these, uh, about these stories and about this history, what sort of reactions do you get? Well, they're just amazed, and some of them, um, you know, uh, think it's that we've been keeping a big secret here <laughs> over the years, but the murals are starting to, the secret's out now, I guess, you know, so uh, uh, people are attracted to come here just because of the murals. And uh, the thing that they love most is when they come and there's artists painting, like up to uh, Wednesday, uh, you know, everyone that would have been here over the last uh, three to four weeks, I guess, would be seeing the, the art unfold, and they spend lots of time talking to the artists. You know, they bring them food sometimes. Uh, I say it takes a, you know, you, you hear the phrase, it takes a community to raise a child. Well, it certainly takes a community to create a mural because everybody pitches in, uh, you know, accommodations for the artists. They loan them their cars, uh, they feed them, and uh, they become, I guess, a part of the community. And so it's not just the people from the outside, but the people right here in town that uh, love this whole process some of that old-fashioned newfoundland hospitality on display for sure hey yes absolutely and now so um you mentioned that uh, you know this has been in the works for quite a while um and i know that part of this uh, is in uh, was with help from uh, the come home year funding uh, what was the total cost to having these murals done so the um we are very appreciative to the Come Home Year funding and to there are other grant programs that we apply to uh, for, you know, various uh, various murals and things like that. So for these two murals, uh, for the one on the flying boat, which uh, Charlie will talk to you about, uh, called Takeoff, uh, we had a grant of $30,000 from the uh, the Come Home Year grant program, and I believe that it's the largest grant that was given in Newfoundland uh, for any of the Come Home Year projects. So it, uh, is, I guess it helped us realize that uh, the government trusts us with their money and our, you know, our, our track record is really good. Um, so that mural, I would say, in total will cost 
uh, in the range of uh, $35,000 to $40,000, you know, because there's a lot of in-kind uh, support that goes towards that uh, that otherwise would have to be, you know, hard cash. And for the mural on the Heritage Center, uh, that one, we are partnering with the town of Botwood on that, and uh, so they've put in some financial assistance there. But we did also get a grant of $5,000 from the CEDP program. That's a provincial granting program for cultural economic development. And uh, and we're fundraising, so I'm thinking that one is going to cost us probably between twenty-five dollars and $30,000. Excellent, Trudy. A truly remarkable story to help celebrate and uh, some beautiful work being done down there in Botwood. Um, We're up against the clock now for our next break of the day, but any final thoughts now before I let you go? Well, just thank you to everybody that came out yesterday. It was wonderful uh, to see the Legion there doing the act of remembrance for uh, the people who died on board Excalibur. There were five crew members and six military servicemen from America that um, that unfortunately died that night. And um, it was, uh, you know, uh, I guess very uh, fitting to have the legion there, local legion, and also representation from the uh, air base, uh, the Canadian Forces Base, Nine Wing Gander. Trudy Stucklis, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to me about this. Uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And that is Trudy Stuckless. And coming up now, uh, after the break on today's program, uh, we just heard about some of the history of these stories. We just heard about some of the process uh, for getting these murals in place. And now coming up next on the program, we're going to talk to some of the artists that have made this into a reality. That's coming up next on On Target. You're busy, but you'll never be uninformed. Get up to date on the way home. The Drive on your VOCM. And welcome back to On Target here on VOCM. Thank you very much for spending part of your afternoon with us today. And on today's edition of the program, we're out in the town of Botwood because they just unveiled two magnificent murals uh, celebrating their aviation history uh, in that town. Um, and now on today's program, uh, coming up right now, we're going to talk to one of the artists that has helped uh, take that what, what what started out as an idea and turn it into a reality. Uh, joining me now on the program is Stefan Yunman. Stefan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So, Stefan, uh, just before before we get into um, the mural that you created down in Botwood, uh, just give me a little bit of a history about yourself uh, as an artist. Uh, how did you start out, and sort of what I guess what's your style uh, when you're when you're producing some of these art pieces? Yes, I started this, um, you know, the mural painting. Um, I will say since uh, 2007, but um, you know, originally. Um, I started since I was a child, you know, so I started already, you know, so I was painting on the wall and uh, I was always amazed about the impact what uh, bigger scale paintings can do. So, and uh, I was influenced by, you know, um, Italian and um, even, uh, yeah, um, French and, and also German artists, um, and especially when it comes to the Renaissance time, so like Michelangelo or Andrea Pozzo, so there was a little bit later, but they painted, you know, church ceilings, so, and, and that was, uh, I was really, when I understood that kind of art, I was, you know, I was catched, so, and, uh, 
Yes, and then later on I was really, you know, more into that to find out what kind of style I I would like to prefer. So, and I was really, you know, I was really interested in in to create environments so just with a two-dimensional surface, you know, and then to create with fantasy and a uh, couple paints, you know, a totally another impact and totally another environment. So that was, for me, the beginning. So, and then I was more interested in, in you know, the, the this kind of art. It's, it's um, called Strample. It's, it's more like what uh, uh, Trudy said. It's, it's a three-dimensional, looks like, you know, environment what i can create that it's fooling the eye that the people really don't really know is that real or is that fiction and so they you know they they yeah they are that kind of confused that they mostly have to go to the wall and touch it so until they understand that's not that way what they see you know so and this is uh, what uh, is for me very interesting to play a little bit, you know, with this kind of getting attention, create attention over the three-dimensional effect, so that I get the 100% attention of um, of the viewer. So, and then when this person is it's is there, so get the attention, then that is a kind of an opener, so that they are a little bit more dry or like to to dive deeper into the story. So that is the main idea behind that. So Stefan, how did you get involved with this um, project in Botwood? Yeah, I was um, really, really amazed uh, by um, that invitation. I got to come to uh, Botwood in 2018, right? So to the Clover Mirror Conference. And um, so that was the very first time I came into this region, and um, yeah, I was really, really amazed about you know the community and 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 the power uh, which I can find in each one individual you know are involved in, and this is really special. And um, that's the way I came to to Badwood, and that was my very first contact to the community. And you mentioned uh, listening, uh, learning about these stories. What did you think when you're first hearing about the history of the flying boats in Botwood, and especially about the crash of the Excalibur? How did how did you react to that? Yes, you know. So, I'm, as me as a German, you you can imagine that have um, different points. You know, so different point of views. If uh, if I come. To, to Canada or to United States, you know, and when it comes to heritage or like more the World War II kind of themes. So it's, it's a little bit touchy because, um, you know, my, you know, my, you know, forefathers, so there was, you know, almost like the enemies in that time. So, and, um, and that is a kind of, you know, so part of this, maybe this healing process, you know, so, and, um, and then to be involved in and to 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 yeah to to come and do this that kind of stories you know so when uh, I mean this is not too much related then to 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 some sort of you know like um, the war or something like that too much it's more a, a story about this boat crashing in the harbor you know so and about Adele was uh, rescuing uh, five people so that is. That is special, and but it's it's half that kind of sound, you know, 
and this is uh, have uh, different sides for me, you know, to look at it. So, and of course, that story is really, really uh, great, you know. So, what uh, this little lady did, so to rescue these five people out of the boat, and uh, that was very touchy for me too. So tell me about what you've created in Botwood uh, for this, uh, and how how long I guess did it take for you to complete? Yeah, I'm. Um, um, I did um, a mural which is um, which, which have um, you know I will say I can that have three three parts. You know, one part is in the center. That's the main part. That is um, the. I created a statue, you know, statue of Adele, with her, with his Excalibur um, Zikorsky airplane, and um, underneath there's a, a globe which shows the, the, you know, the way um, this boat was flying at that time from New York over Woodwood to Ireland. So, and um, and this is a three-dimensional, looks like, you know, figure and. Um, and on the left and the right hand side, on the left hand side we have that situation where the the plane crashed and and uh, or be you know lifted up by by a boat which take out of the you know the frag out of out of the water and uh, on the other side because this is a loving story you heard about that so that she 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 were you know rescued by two men and one of them. Uh, became her husband later on and that's personal story is on the right hand side yeah and now the project is completed looking back on it what what do you think of it uh, and and how i guess does this fit into your overall portfolio how do you feel about it yeah i'm at first i want to to uh, you know answer your question what i missed so um yeah it took me around about three months to create this piece you know, so and yes, um, um, you know. So for me, I mean, you have this artistic point of view, but on the other hand, you know, to create a a, a work like that, which which gives uh, the 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 community also the ability, you know, to 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 make a, a bigger frame around that story and and. And give that story, this heroine act from this lady, you know, the right frame. So, and and I think to be part of that, you know, that we, you know, create or take the story and and, and build that beautiful frame. I will say um, to show the world. So, what a little lady in 1942 did, you know, in the harbor of Budwood. Excellent. Stefan Yunman, thank you so much for your time today and uh, some phenomenal work down in Botwood. Really appreciate us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Excellent. That was Stefan Yunman. He is one of the artists of the murals down in Botwood. And coming up after this break, we're going to speak with the other artist who has helped to create these murals down in Botwood. His name is Charlie Johnson. Uh, We are going to speak with him coming up after the break. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. And welcome back to On Target. Richard Duggan filling in for Linda Swain today. And 
Today, on today's program, we are going down to the town of Botwood. We are discussing those beautiful murals that were just unveiled in the town yesterday. And now we're going to speak to another one of the artists behind one of these murals and really a fascinating look f uh, on this mural that we're going to be discussing now. Uh, the artist's name is Charlie Johnston, and Charlie joins the program now. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you today? I'm good, and thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule to join the program. And, uh, Charlie, I guess just to start off, I'll, I'll start the same way that I did with Stefan. Before we get into uh, the specifics of this mural that you've created in Botwood, just give us a little bit of a, a history about yourself and, and uh, how you got in, how you became an artist, and sort of your style. Well, first of all, I'll say, uh, I think becoming, a, becoming an artist, it's not so much something you learn. I think really more it's something you discover about yourself. Uh, and then you have to figure out, well, what am I going to do with this? Because <laughs> uh, it, it's not really on a, the best resume situation in the world. So, uh, but I mean, I started, when I, was, I started when I was a child, five years old, and, uh, you know, doodling on my desks uh, during class and then washing those desks during detention. Uh, that's how far back it goes for me. Uh, so then, uh, you know, and then it's a process of, uh, I think I would call it uh, layers of discovery as to how, how far down the rabbit hole I was going to go. Uh, you know, and it started, of course, with uh, things like cartooning and then illustration. I, very early on, I discovered, uh, I actually discovered that I could do portraits by just randomly doodling my music teacher, and voila. The next thing you know, I'm doing portraits and caricatures of all the teachers, and so on and so forth. And this is go. This is like in uh, a grade school. Uh, so uh, after that, going into high school, I took every single art class was available in the in the school. Uh, then I moved on to uh, to university. I studied studied fine arts at the University of Manitoba, and I graduated from that. And then I went into what I like to call the school of hard knocks. And that's the real world where I had to try to uh, uh, make my art happen in a, in a sort of a significant way in my life. It, it was I was never going to live a life where I wasn't creating art. So I felt like I had to make this my job. I had to find a way to to make this a thing in the world that I lived in, not just a not just a pastime while I went and went somewhere else for night for eight hours a day, forty hours a week to do something else. That just wasn't going to cut it for me. So, uh, so I, I wound up working at some sign shops and a bunch of other crazy jobs. I mean, I was actually, for, for example, I was Photoshop before Photoshop existed. I did a stint at a at a uh, photo studio, retouching and repairing old photographs and uh, things like that, for example. Um, but with respect to mural art, it all started for me uh, when I started painting uh, billboards uh, for uh, for a company in, in Winnipeg. Um, and it was like uh, I was like a kid in a candy shop. I was I was painting a, a 400, and f 400 or 450 or 500 square feet a week every week for about 10 years. And it was in that environment that I really got hooked on scale. And uh, when uh, when uh, during the 90s, when uh, uh, print technology overtook uh, hand painting, uh, those paint studios were all shut down. So, uh, so I went off into the uh, into another direction. A lot of people just kind of went and did what they did, but I, I transitioned into mural art, and uh, so, so that's what I've been doing exclusively: mural art, sculpture, public art, uh, as well as my the traditional uh, canvas art for the past uh, oh twenty. 
20 plus years. Wow, an incredible, incredible journey there for you, um, Charlie. Talk now a little bit about uh, this project down in Botwood for yourself. How did you get involved in it? And tell us a little bit about what you've created. All right. Well, uh, I've painted murals all across Canada, uh, a few the United States, and places as far away as China. But uh, I, I got uh, I got called to Botwood back in 2011 when they asked me to do my first piece here. And uh, I've been, I've done, since then, I've been come back regularly. Uh, Botwood is my little home away from home, to be sure. It's like family here for me now. And, uh, and this most recent piece, uh, they asked me to do, to tackle a, a very challenging and tricky surface. I guess they like, I guess they think, well, let's give it to Charlie. He'll paint anything. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. Uh, and the challenge was that the, uh, I've painted ribbed murals on ribbed surfaces before, like the uh, the Come Home mural in 2018. There's 450 feet of of corrugated fiberglass, so that was a tricky surface in and of itself. But this one is a whole other level because the uh, the it's a ribbed surface, but the ribs are about a foot project out by about a foot and a half. Uh, so so the challenge becomes how do you create an image of, a, that's not just an abstract piece. How do you create an image on a surface like that? So, um, so I've I've came up with the solution of doing uh, an anamorphic art piece. Now uh, you're probably asking yourself, what is anamorphic art, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, what what's that? Isn't that the TV series like the Animorphs? No. <laughs> anamorphic art simply means art that is radically distorted to create. Uh, a three-dimensional illusion that sort of breaks the reality of three-dimensional space. So you look at it from, so it sort of defies perspective. Um, now, typically, if you, you, anamorphic art, that's a that's a fancy term, but you probably would be more familiar with it as something more like uh, sidewalk chalk art, you know, where somebody creates the illusion of a hole in the ground or or something jumping up in the air and then, it only makes sense from one position, and then when you move around, you see how crazy the distortion is to make this create this illusion. Uh, so I did that. I created this sort of uh, anamorphic art piece on one side of all of these ribs, so that when you stand in one position, you see uh, you see the main image, which is takeoff, which is what I named the piece. Uh, not takeoff a, just takeoff. <laughs> And I was I was looking at some images of the mural er, earlier, and it really is remarkable, you know. And it really uh, the different perspectives that you can get, you know. If you're over to the left hand side of it, you know, you get that distortion, and then you move over to another position, and and uh, you know, you get the full picture of it. Um, what sort of reactions have you been getting from people, you know, as you're painting this, and people are walking by and, and seeing you doing this? Um, what sort of what, what have people been saying to you? Well, they've they've been pretty pretty blown away because uh, it's it's uh, the beauty about this way of painting a mural is you can't just appreciate it on an Instagram post or something like that. It's it's interactive. It's engaging. You're kind of you kind of take part in the creation of the image just by witnessing it. So from the one perspective, it looks like a normal image, and then as you move along, it's almost like we, we like to call it kind of like warp factor. It looks like the, the you know at the beginning of Star Trek when the Enterprise takes off, it just kind of stretches and then off into 
deep space. So the, the image stretches, and then it sort of collapses into abstraction. And then you start to realize, I think on a, sub, on a subconscious level, I think you realize, wow, I'm assembling this image in my mind just by experiencing it, by looking at it. It's, it's, so it sort of underscores the assumption about, about representational space. So that's very cool, and people are just blown away. It's and got that, a kind of a retro-futurist kind of a quality. Charlie Johnson, we're going to have to end it there, but thank you so much for taking the time out of your day uh, to join the program and discuss this really cool project. Thank you very much, and come see it in person because that's the way to experience it. Absolutely. Charlie Johnston, thank you so much, uh, and thank you to all the guests who joined us on today's program, Chu, uh, Trudy, Lisa, Stefan, and, of course, as we just heard from, Charlie Johnston. So thank you all so much for joining the program and uh, talking about this really cool history down in Botwood and these cool projects as well that were unveiled yesterday. That does it for me on today's edition of On Target. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll talk again soon. Bye for now.